Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we went back to the brightly coloured banality of 2005's Fantastic Four, which means today we leap forward 10 years and things have got grim. As we look at 2015's Fantastic Four. Dr. Storm, we gave you six years and millions of dollars and you gave us nothing. What's different now? Reed Richards. He knows answers to questions we don't even know to ask yet. This is our chance to learn more about our planet and maybe even save it. I want you to meet my daughter, Sue. You want to be famous? I just want my work to make a difference. John, Reed, this guy doesn't take orders well. Yeah, especially from people who say, I don't take orders well. Don't let any of these lab coats give you any crap, all right? Well, if I do, I know who to call. The muscle. I gotta say, it's fun having you here. Really? No. <laughs> what you've created here is incredible. So which film will be our fantastic winner this week and which film is doomed? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Brothers. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And Chris is still on his walking tour of the foothills of Latveria and dodging the bullet of this week's pairing of 2005's Fantastic Four versus 2015's Fantastic Four that he convinced me would be a good idea to pick on my week. Sure. Uh, right, in Chris's absence, I'll be reading a review this week. I'll keep it short. This comes from Kate. It's short for Bob. Uh, <laughs> Kate, it's short for Bob, says, You had me. Michael Keaton is the best Batman. I stayed for Tim Curry. Five stars. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and for those interested, Kate, it's short for Bob, is a quote from Blackadder. Oh, yeah. The episode with Bob. Yes. In. All right, then. So, are you ready to take us on a journey? Yes, I am. Go for it. It's all about family, except it's not. In Josh Trank's 2015 Soulless Void, in which the Fab Four interact with all the bonhomie of hungover colleagues on compulsory GDPR training who've just been asked to say three things about themselves, one of which is untrue. When Franklin Storm inexplicably swerves MIT or Silicon Valley to go talent scouting at an actual secondary school, exuding all the creepy charm of a model scout skulking around the old top shop on Oxford Street, he recruits Reed Richards because he's finesse teleportation at school. So they make a big machine with zero security. So Reed, Victor, Johnny 
and a recently recruited Ben who seems up for anything. Oh, hey, Ben, sorry we haven't seen each other for a while. Do you fancy being atomised and reconstituted in another dimension? P.S. Yes, I am drunk. <laughs> oh, you do? Great. No, there's no girls allowed. Sue, who's a core part of the team, can assist from the sidelines before we all get our powers. They can knob off to another dimension. Abandon Victor, get powers, freak out a bit about powers. One year later, they seem okay. Victor comes back, it's pretty scary. Then it's just CGI, more CGI, blonde wig, the end. But seriously. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, there was so, yeah. Seriously, though, the wooden acting, I can see bits of it where it does kind of work. Although, as my research will show, it's very much deliberate on the part of the director to kind of drain it of all emotion. But I can see bits where I was like, oh, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. But otherwise, it is quite a joyless experience. Yeah. Is that so? If you cut to the verdict, that's my is that, <laughs> no. <laughs> is that your change? No, I haven't. Uh, so histories with this movie, I haven't seen it because I saw one Fantastic Four, and that was enough for me. What mm. about you? I saw it at a screening room uh, in Central London, and I, I can't remember whether they were planning a junket, and then they started to get their initial reactions. Fox, this is, and decided that the junket wasn't going to happen, happen. <laughs> uh, nor was the premiere. But it was there was only about three or four of us in the screening room, so it wasn't one of the big screenings. I can't even remember if they screened it for the press in the end. But yeah, um, it was one of those where like. They always ask when you come out, the Ooh. person from Fox, like, so what did you think? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And it's a film. It. That's all I could manage because I was like, I can't, even I can't go, that was good because well, you're just terrified. I've, I've had it before where one of my friends um, did the uh, went to see The Happening yeah. and they doorstopped him on the way out of the uh, junket room after he'd done some interviews. And they were like, they were like so you know, what do you think of the film? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, it was really, really great, really thrilling. Mm. Something like that. And it ended up on, on the, the DVD poster. box. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a bit The LA Times then. The LA, have I told this? Chris isn't here, so I can tell I've you. Got, if Chris isn't here, I've got no idea because he LA, acts as our memory. <laughs> the LA Times basically went, we don't believe this quote really exists. And so did a, a piece about who is this guy. Yeah. And it was my friend. And it was like, no, I really didn't say that. <laughs> I really didn't <laughs> but I was being nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't like that. Happening. Well, I tell you what, that's interesting to me because I know of the fuss about this film. So let's just jump into the background because this 2015 Fantastic Four is notorious for being one of the worst superhero movies of all time. Those are not my words. They're just lifted from any quote that you can find on the yep. internet. It's got a 9% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I actually think might make it our lowest rated film, according to Rotten Tomatoes. I can't think what we've done that would be lower than 9%. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Chris would know. I don't. Yeah, that's fair enough. I should, I'm yeah, asking it's, the, yeah. it's definitely in the top three worst rated films we've ever done. And we've done some absolute howlers. Mm. So that surprises me. So I stayed away from this film because why would I? Like... I'm being told it's the worst thing you'll ever watch. Do you not have a fascination like with I, like I wish I'd it was more fun for me watching it this time because when I watched it it wasn't it was very early and so no one knew. Yeah. And I was just like that was fucking dull. Yeah. But then to sort of watch it now especially for the pod and sort of like look at what's wrong with it and yeah. it's like oh wow that's it's, it's it's so bad. The structure of this film is insane. Yeah, it is. Insane. It goes from setup to climax. There is no middle section. There's no, no fun and games in this movie nope. whatsoever. It goes setup, 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 climax by. Yep. <laughs> Which is ordinarily fine in real life. <laughs> um, no, I mean, 
if I tell you what, it's churlish, but if it had been an hour and a half and a shit film, I'd have watched it out of like professional curiosity. Mm. The minute you go over an hour and a half, I'll have to wait to be forced to do it for this, basically. Mm. It's, it's daft. I mean, it's one of those films that you can imagine it being two and a half hours long because no one knows what to do with it, apart from they didn't have an ending. So. I mean, if, if I mean, this is the thing, and I don't know whether your research is going to... like. I sort of... I read a little bit around it as well. I just, I, because there were NDAs signed by Josh yes. Trank yeah. at, at the end of it, like there is no real way of knowing no, what other footage there was and whether there is potentially from what was cut out, what was reshot, whether somewhere, you know, there is an assembly, like Trank said in the now infamous tweet, mm. that was a good film or at least a film that had structure or whether it was just like it was a car crash from what was shot and you know even the patch-up job resulted in the best version we could get sure i mean i agree with you i think what you've got to do is maybe look at some of the some of the scenes that there's no way that they were they were reshoots and you, you, it's the it's kate mara's wig every time she's got a wig on that is a reshoot mm. at the end and the wig is so bad that you know instantly where you are in terms of what was slotted in to the narrative earlier little things for me it's fine that it's a superhero film, but just little script things that it doesn't, you know, your film might not be on the most solid footing anyway. I was taking the piss, but Franklin Storm goes to a secondary school I mean, and says, you've perfected teleportation yeah. and you're a genius. And yet you think this sand is from China. So what is it about the sand that makes you think it's, because then Kate Myers, well, we've done an analysis and this sand is not from, it's from fucking outer space or it's from another dimension. Hmm. And, and why are you an adult man? <laughs> Read yeah. at a children's yeah. science. We've literally fair. got seven years later. I looked at the kids at the beginning, I was like, Tops, tops, they're 10, mm. but they're not. I think they're more like eight. Mm. So, what he's 15, 16 years old, he's not. <laughs> and then, what the fuck? So, that to me is like it undoes the idea a bit that, well, somewhere there's a great version because even the other version is still going to have that scene in it. Yeah, it's the script thing, as always. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, God, you know reading around like what Josh Trank wanted to do and what he didn't want to do. It undoes what I said on Monday's show, I guess a bit because like I, I still, I'm not sure what you can do with the fantastic four. And clearly he had in his head, like I want to do this much darker, grittier, like version of these characters. And the reason I sort of half want to believe that if he'd been left to his own devices and hadn't maybe, you know, gone a little bit nuts in inverted commas during the making of this, mm. you know, he might have found, like, hit his stride at some point yeah. and, and made a, an auteur's yeah, vision for yeah. this film. Well, this is the, you know, it's not, we'll get into it. There's, there's some things that you're like, okay, that's your fault. There's some things like, oh, it's the studio's fault. So like, go back to 2012. Everyone loves him, Josh Trank, at this point because he's done Chronicle and that made $123 million from a $12 million budget. That means you are, you're minted, like everyone wants you. Yep. So he got offered Venom, he got offered uh, a spy thriller at Warner's, basically the point being all the studios want him. He got a Star Wars gig, although everybody gets one of them at some point if you're a young man and you make a good short, someone gives you a bit of Star Wars and then maybe takes it off you later. So anyway, he goes, he's like, no, I'm going to do Fantastic Four and then Fox got to Jeremy Slater. Jeremy Slater developed Chronicle with Josh Trank. But when I say developed, I mean they sat around and smoked loads of weed and talked about it because mm. Jeremy Slater doesn't get writing credit. But it's not as chill this time. So <coughs> there's a few quotes that say, Josh Trank acted as a buffer in quote marks between Jeremy Slater and the studio, which kind of means he just didn't, I think means he didn't give them the notes that he, I mean, it seems, it seems a bit daft, but I mean, okay. I, I think Jeremy Slater actually went on record and said, 
that the notes that Fox were giving Josh Trank to pass on to Jeremy Slater about the script, he says he didn't get 90% of those. So yeah. basically, by all accounts, Josh Trank had his vision for what this film would be. I see. And anything that Fox said yeah. that went against his vision, he simply didn't pass on okay. to his ride to Jeremy Slater, which then obviously created a massive friction between the studio and the screenwriter. Yeah. And the screenwriter's like, I don't know why I'm doing your notes and he's just not getting them. <laughs> yeah. So he leaves, as you would, because it's, it's risking your career, I think, at that point. And then you get Seth Graham Smith, Michael Green, T.S. Nolan. And then you get Simon Kinberg and everyone's like, oh no, because he's X-Men Simon Kinberg, but it's a significant rewrite at this point. So then we're starting to shoot basically, but it's not its not for the good reasons, it's for the bad reasons. Because similar to Roger Corman <laughs> and that debacle, apparently Fox was just afraid of losing the rights. And so they want to move forward and they have to start shooting at a certain time. Otherwise the rights are going to go mm-hmm. back. So you've got this shit store and where you've got a script that isn't ready and then you've got behaviour that can be challenging, allegedly, from uh, Josh Trank, who, I mean, in fairness, you'll read a lot that say that the Fox wanted Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, not just Fantastic Four. He had a vision and all the rest of it. But studios, always, I mean, they always say that until they're, it comes out. <laughs> they're not getting what they want and they're yeah. seeing the rushes and it's not, you know, and then they, they start to meddle. And and this is where this is where I don't think... Currently, maybe, you know, in the future, people will start to talk. I mean, there's drips that keep coming out here and there. But it's impossible to say at this stage just how much of it was Josh Trank's fault on the ground and him dealing with the studio and him being in the headspace he was in when he was making it and how much of it was him destroying his own thing or not, you know, not doing the prep, not having the script, whatever. How much is on him and how much was the studio's meddling that created this sort of war of attrition that resulted in a shit movie? Exactly. There were, did you read the um, the news? that So, the you know, Josh Trank was apparently quite challenging on set, so he was telling the actors when to blink, when to breathe, making everything really flat, which we'll come back to when we talk about the film. Um, but everyone was pissed off because he was living in this rented house and he had dogs and he had three dogs and mm. they just chewed up this house and allegedly caused $100,000 worth of damage. So everyone's furious, everyone, the studio's furious because someone's got to pay for that. Uh, he would show up late. There's this other thing, and it's a classic like internet fuss about nothing, I think. He built a black tent around his monitor. That is normal. That's, like That's, that's that, just how you do it. It's so weird. That, <laughs> yeah. being, that being everywhere, it's like, yeah? Yeah. You mean the black tent that goes around the monitors that yeah. people watch on a set? That black tent, yeah. He, well, maybe he built it himself and that's weird to wow. you. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually helping out, you know. It was a busy day. He was like, I'll put up the tent. They're like, oh, look at him. Yeah. Look at him with his black tent. You can do tent. everything, Josh Trank. Constructing your black tent. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, the whole, the whole thing about, you know, the dogs, because apparently one of his dogs ate loads of vitamins and, and died. And, died. Yeah. and then he was really distraught the following day, which owning a dog, you would be. Of course you would be. It's horrible. It's, yeah, the, well, God, let's not get the dogs involved. It's awful. The rumour mill turns. <laughs> and dogs get hurt. Yep. They do. So anyway, all it's all fine. It's actually fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the studios see the film. They don't like it. Uh, it makes they say it's not going to make people uncomfortable. It wasn't the marketable romp anyone hoped for, so they're just going to salvage it. And you know, uh, Josh Trank has said no, incorrect. I believe he said that they slashed the budget early on, so it was a bit of a mess, and there wasn't an ending. There was always they, you know, the studio had this idea that you could just do everything after, you know, just try and cobble together an ending. Hence, a lot of the wig stuff because they're like, okay, we see this, we don't like it, we'll just do it again. Um, but the point being. The- do, you, do you know? I don't want to put you on the spot because you might not know. Because I, like I said, I couldn't find it out. So, 
Josh Trank hands them a finished version of the film that they don't like. I read first cuts. I right. can't imagine you... So he a... had a completed movie then. Well, this is the thing. I don't know for certain. His tweet would suggest that he did. Yeah. And first cut, it would be unusual if it didn't have the ending on it right. because the ending presumably... Well, you say presumably has been written, but... Maybe not. I mean, there were a lot of like last minute rewrites by studio executives and all the rest of it. So maybe there was an ending like on paper, but they turned up one day. They're like, we don't like it. We'll sort it out later kind of thing. Mm. I don't know. But this tweet that we keep talking about. So a few hours before it opens, Josh Trank tweets, quote, a year ago, I had a fantastic version of this and it would have been received great, uh, received great reviews. You'll probably never see it. That's reality, though. So obviously this is but this is bad because it's the thing you don't do. No, you don't. Even if. Even if you're right, you don't do it. Mm. Even if you're nervous about public perception, because as this interview in it's, like, it's Polygon, the um, article that I read said, everyone that supported you is like, well, fuck you, dude. I just worked my arse off helping you on this film, mm. and everyone that hates you is like, yeah, fuck you. Like it's gonna be rubbish. Like no one comes out of it looking good. It's I think it's something that British people do very well, which is this full graciousness of like, thank you for the opportunity kind of thing. Yeah, I guess the interesting the, the interesting question, which I guess is impossible to answer as well, is the idea of had he not sent the tweet, would things have been different after this? Yeah. Or would he be in the same position because the film would have still been such a tremendous flop? Because I don't think his tweet knocked millions off the box office. No. It was going to be a flop because it's a bad piece of work. Yeah. But would he now, would he have gone on to maybe, you know, work on another big movie, uh, you know, you're, you're allowed after Chronicle, you're still allowed to, to make one flop, yes, you know, sure. it's a difficult property, we've already established that, or yeah. was is the tweet responsible for him being blacklisted, going to, yeah. you know, movie jail? Well, I think if you piss off the wrong people, then they are, they will sort of isolate you for a time, because mm. they can, it's not like there's a, a lack, a paucity of people ready to step into your shoes, like you get your shot, you messed it up, okay, I mean, it's awful. You're you know, telling someone not to be honest. Like, maybe just be a bit gracious, step aside, take some time, come back and try again kind of thing. It's crazy. Though. I mean, what must be going through your head? Because, like... You... Uh, pissed? I would be. I'm not <laughs> saying he was, but you, I would have been pissed and be like, fuck it, do yeah. it. Yeah, Yeah, but I also mean, like, to take out, you know, the actual moment where you write the tweet, like the idea of sort of being so out of control of your own story at that point, that a movie that you didn't believe in, that had your name attached to it, that people were going to go, oh, director Josh Trank's you know, version of Fantastic Four is a piece of shit. Mm. And, you know, to have to suck that up, sit there and take that, yep. you know, or in that moment, just claw back, you know, your self-respect like, and go, I did not make the movie you are seeing. So I mean, it's a it's a difficult fight to have in your own head. I think the trouble is, I'm. This is my judgment. Unfair. Oh, wow. There's a spelling mistake in the tweet, so it makes him seem unhinged. It's like a green pen thing. So he's misspelled received. So I think mm, no distance, distance from you, Josh Trank. Because if you're gonna do it, read it first. He hasn't read it. If he had, if he'd read it, he would have corrected his spelling. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I yeah. think. So it seems like. A rant, and you don't want a rant at that point. You want a measured response to sort of set out your stall about what's happened over the last year. I guess, yeah. I guess you have to take a breath, let the, you know, cards fall where they may, and then sort of go, okay, let me now, in the clear light of day, tell you my version of events in a responsible way. Yeah, let it to settle go, down. Fuck this movie! Before anyone has even seen <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So let's not fuck this movie. Let's talk about this movie. Do you, do you, you don't use social media. I've done it before. I've tweeted nothing like really bad, but I've tweeted pissed. <laughs> and like, you know, the beer fear after you've had a big night out. And you're yeah. like, oh, shit. What did I say? It's sitting there on social media. You're like, oh, that, is, that makes oh, me feel delete, like. Delete. Can you delete it? Yeah, you can delete it. But, but then everybody knows you Everyone's have. always seen it because you go to sleep thinking it was the best tweet in the world. And oh. it's only on a hangover. You go. What was I thinking? It makes me want to cry thinking about it. Because as we get older, the anxiety of a hangover isn't even used to be. I definitely did say something ridiculous and bad and I'm going to have to do a bit of work to come back for it. But as we get older, the anxiety is like, I didn't even say anything. And yet I feel <laughs> shocking. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. The beer fear. It's, it does. It gets worse. Yeah, it really does. And it's so unfair. I think it's maybe because your friendship circle like is decreasing as you get older. <laughs> Mine certainly is. And, and so you're sort of like, oh, my God, I don't have many of these left. No, I'm, I know. <laughs> I sh- should try and re- protect yeah. the ones I have. Whereas when you're 25, this is like a slash and burn policy. I'm yeah. like, did I offend you? Don't care. Yes. I'll go get another friend. i got six of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got a spare. Of course I've got yeah. a spare. Exactly. And it's, yeah, all it's, yeah, but anxiety, like, I, oh, I was feeling like it the other day and I knew I'd done nothing because I was running it and I was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So I was latched onto the most ridiculous thing, which is like, I didn't say thank you for that piece of cake or mm-hmm. something ridiculous. They don't care. Yep. Anyway, anyway, less yep. of that. It's making me feel um, anxious. Anyway, so the film, <laughs> the film, Reed and Ben are kids. And Reed's a genius, but Homer Simpson doesn't believe it. (laughs) And then Tom Hanks' son tries to beat Ben up. What is going on? It's clobbering time. (laughs) Sort of a weird nod at that stage. I do think in this early section, there's a little bit of like Goonies magic, a little bit of suspension of disbelief because you've got young Reed and Ben and they've got a teleporter in a garage and it looks like the 80s, even though it's ostensibly 2007. A little bit. This is, to me, I started watching this film at the very first, the early screening I went to and I was like, this is going to be brilliant. This is so infused with that Amblin magic. Yes. It was like Explorers, E.T., like, you know, Goonies, like you said, it's all there. And I was like, oh, they've done something special with this because it's not easy to capture that yeah, yeah. in like a modern movie set in 2007 without making it look like it. <laughs> exactly. I think it's a strong start. I do. Uh, so then seven years later, did we cover this privately? Did we say when we were recording, do they look, why are they, yeah, I don't they're un- not men? I can't remember. I don't understand why seven years later they have aged 10 or 15 years at least. <laughs> so the thing is, so, so Miles Teller is Reed, Jamie Bell, right, um, as Ben. So when I first saw Jamie Bell in this, I was like, nope, wrong, 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 wrong. And then as the film goes on, I was like, with the voice and stuff, like, I got it. And I felt bad for thinking it was wrong. Mm. But you haven't seen Billy Elliot, have you? No. So did you have those same feelings? Were you like, Jamie Bell, fine, no problem, I buy it. Like, he's meant to be the muscle and the protector. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Billy Elliot, but I'm aware of Billy Elliot. Yeah. he. I think he just looks... A bit, I think his skin's too perfect to be the muscle. Yeah. He looks so smooth and boy-like. He does, doesn't he? He's very, yeah, he's got a very boyish thing about him. Yeah. Even now, so. I hate, yeah, that's it. I hate tying an actor to that, that pivotal, that muscle, the role that was the sh- just beyond a breakthrough. It's like a smash. But I don't he's think. he's done other work. I don't think it's even, I don't think it's even Benny Elliott. I just don't think he's quite right for Ben Grimm, what no. you imagine. Ben Grimm to to be. Although I grew to like it, definitely. But. I don't really understand his relationship with Miles uh, Teller's character, with Reed either. So when Reed goes to college, yeah, uh, or this, the, sorry, the Baxter Institute, yeah, 
what is what's Ben? Is man servant? Why is he carrying all the bags? I thought they were. It's sort of you know they're, they're No, is... you do not have a best friend. You go. Do you want to just carry on my bags? It's yeah. like, is it because Ben's strong because he'll become the thing? <laughs> is, are we? I have to say, I was surprised when he's like, "So I'm going to go now." Because it's the choice. What these two films both do is they do lean into that uh, very supportive best friend role, which is a quite a reductive role because all you were there to do is to make your best friend look good mm. and you have no interior life and all the rest of it. And the classic scene where Ben is looking out of the window and he's like, I've already lost you to the city. like Almost like they're a couple. like yeah. you know. Um, but then I was like, are you not staying? Did you not get a place as well? Like, Why are you carrying this man's bags? Well, he didn't get a place because... He's not a scientist. <laughs> Mainly, you know, <laughs> for the best minds in the country. So a dubious, questionable scene where we're at a school science fair, Franklin's dorm, talent spots Miles, sends him to the Baxter Institute, Baxter Foundation, whatever it's called. So, weird. so many questions. Why are you in my school? Mm. As we said before, if you're such a genius, how do you not know the sand isn't from China? What is it about the sand that leads you to believe it's from China? But also, like, this guy just comes up, like Franklin comes up and goes, and goes, say, uh, <laughs> so um, you are great. Uh, we've just found a way to send uh, stuff to another dimension. And uh, do you want it? It's like, well, sorry, what? You found, is this, is this news? Is this That's out great. there in the world already? Is, is it so sort of like, Yawn. Yeah, we, we we watch the news. Are they just sending stuff to another dimension regularly? Why is Reed just like, uh-huh, yeah? Uh-huh. Are you not like, sorry, you sent something to another fucking dimension? <laughs> I thought this was just going to China. This is And huge. I was impressed by that. This is mad. It's just, it's, I, yeah, it's, it's a weird scene. Uh, so, yeah, they're at the Baxter place. Um, Reed meets Sue as we said before Rude she to listens to Porter's Head so 10 years after everyone else has stopped listening to Porter's Head so that's good <laughs> wait when is this is this so this is 2017 I still listen to Porter's Head yeah but not in the way if someone's like if someone said to you what you're listening to you'd lie I think at that point I think you'd lie I don't think you'd be what like what would you say oh anything <laughs> I don't know what base would I base. say <laughs> yeah always <laughs> Yeah, Hadaway, like I, I usually am. <laughs> I like that song. It's a great song. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I don't know. Porter's Head, I still call. It's a perennial. I couldn't feel. tell. I could. I, did, did you, I couldn't work out which album she was listening to. Did I couldn't you? hear it. No. It's dummy fun. That's the best. Yeah, it's a great album. It's just it's a fun scene. I think Kate Mara is good. I really do, and I think there is almost something between them, nearly. And then it gets all flattened out later. Um, and I was with her. Well, she's talking bollocks about patterns. It's not that there's no patterns in music, but she's like, that's what I do. It's like, what? what is that? Like, you're at a science institution. Um, but I thought her performance what is, was good. But what is she meant to be? So is she meant to be a, a, a sort of... I really hope she's not just, I'm his daughter, and so I hang around here. Is she, no, but she like a, like a sort of like a, a spiky kind of like, I don't tell don't try and hit on me or whatever. Don't try and talk to me. She's like, you're so fucking predictable. You just want to be famous. Everyone's predictable. Yeah. And she's like, I'm just about the science and I have no emotion. I don't, I'm I'm just not sure what she's meant to be because she's very confrontational with Reed. Yes. So it's almost like... she like, hates him. Like she hates him, like she doesn't want him to be here. Like he doesn't deserve the position. Or yep. is it because he's just sort of like trying to talk to her about music and she's not up for small talk because she's so work focused. Mm. There's so many what ifs and because the movie doesn't, have a script that like elaborates on anything. You're like, I just don't get it. She just seems really spiky. Yeah. And also there is something in, he sits down in front of her unasked and he doesn't stop talking. And it's like, she's got her headphones in. She's done that thing of like, I'm obviously listening to music. Right. She's been polite. And then he keeps going. And to me, when that's happened to you in real life, where someone just keeps, 
Did I not tell you? The other day? I did tell you this, didn't I? What? The other day, it's after I left you. It was late, weeks ago, and I went home and I was on the DLR platform. And I, I did tell you this. I had a book in front of me and a man came up to me and went, are you reading a book? And it's in <laughs> my fucking face. And I lowered it. So I was like, Jesus Christ. So I went, yeah. What's it about? I was like, mm. I was like, oh, it's about trees. Oh, I love trees. I was like, this isn't happening to me at 40 years old. Go I, away. I mean, I need to know. So is he similar age, younger, older? And do you know what? He might have been. This, <laughs> this is me being a dick. I'm pretty sure he was younger. <laughs> he probably wasn't. We'd had a bit to drink. He was, I don't know, he's probably 100 years old for all I know. But why does that matter? I'm just, I'm just sort of interested. Like, if it's... So, because of age, like if he's a sort of older man, like, oh, you're reading. A book. No, it wasn't. That's not what was going on. Oh. It weren't those vibes. No, no not, what, not vibes, like... what vibes do you think that means? <laughs> I, I mean, I like, wrote that book. <laughs> you know, so like an older person who just likes to chat. A lonely like, older person. Yeah, there's nothing in it. They're just like, oh, you're reading a book. What's no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Oh, you're reading was, a book. Was it? Was it was it the verbal equivalent of him, like you having the book here and him putting his finger in the middle and then lowering it and going, hi there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That is what happened. It was right in front of my face because, <laughs> yeah. like I said, we'd had a few. So I was like, reading a book. Really close. And then I get this face. Mm. Are you reading a book? What does it look like? Just poking around the side of the page. <laughs> Hi there. I see you reading a book. <laughs> I see you reading a book. What's your favourite word? Can I have your number? No. <laughs> did he ask? Yeah, he did. Yay! <laughs> Yay, good for me. <laughs> Unwanted attention on the way home. <laughs> at an abandoned DLR station. That's not threatening. Awesome. Yeah, probably don't get on trains at abandoned DLR <laughs> stations, you weirdo. <laughs> yeah. I probably wouldn't go up there, love. It's abandoned. Loads of weirdos yeah. hang around up there. I'll oh, get a DLR from wherever I fucking like. I'm fine. I've got a book. Don't you tell me what's stations are abandoned or not I've used this station before you you really haven't this has been shot for years yeah. I'll just jump on the fucking train from the platform yeah this man will help me because I will give him my number hey I like books do you like books <laughs> hey, did it? Did you really start talking to no I did not no I didn't do you want to read my book mate <laughs> do you want us to read this with me uh. oh alright uh, let's have a short break This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Did you give him your number? No, what the <laughs> fuck? Did I give him my number? What for? I don't know. He seems like a fun guy. He likes really? books. I like books. I'm in the market for friends. I keep alienating them <laughs> yeah. when I drink beer. Well, I'll remember that. I'll try and go out and get you some friends. Just give them my number. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. Is that all right to do that? No. Some, no, I'm being serious. Because sometimes you get into a situation where you actually don't know how to get out of it without risking more, risking anything. So you do give a number. And sometimes it helps if it's a number that you know. And it's not yours. But you don't know my number off by heart. I don't think I do. I mean, it hasn't changed for a while, so I might do it in an absolute pinch. If it was, I tell you what, if it's to save my own life, I might be able to remember your number. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe just use my number yourself and I'll come to your rescue. Would you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Are you on the abandoned I'm DLR the, I'm platform I'm always at that again? abandoned DLR <laughs> station. You know the one. Yeah, I know the nearest police officer. <laughs> he saw you going up there, actually. He's on his way to the platform. I say platform, it's just some branches that have fallen on the track. <laughs> She's got a McDonald's. She'll be absolutely fine. She'll be fine for 20 minutes. Anyway, where are we? So... Franklin Mm. wants Victor and Reed to work together to build a big machine and uses his daughter as bait, (laughs) which I thought was a a nice move. Will will Susan be there? Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, but will Mm -hmm. Susan be there? Yeah. Yes, she will, son. Calls everyone son constantly all the time. Um, There's another weird thing. So the Fantastic Four, as they will become, but also Victor here, they're kids. You know, uh, Franklin says all the time, you kids are the best. There's Mm. no one better than you. And they are kids, and I did find that it's weird at some point. It, it tips over to weirdness that this man, this older man, is championing these kids so much when yeah. there must be more grown-up people in the world it's, who are as smart. It's quite, yeah, there's that, and he keeps calling them his children, and and that's like, I, I, at the point he says, where, where are my children? Mm. You're like, you're looking for all of them now, so are you only focusing on Johnny and Sue? Yeah. Or have you started going, well, I've decided Reed is my child as <laughs> Everyone well. Everyone is my child. Yeah, you know, Ben's my child. I just love them. <laughs> I just love them so much. Uh, we get Tim Blake Nelson at some point here as Mole Man. Uh, all good. And then, so anyway, let's meet Johnny. Um, he likes cars, not motorbikes this time, but he doesn't like his dad, sort of. And then his car is on fire. Ooh, mm. foreshadowing. Mm. Uh, then we get a, a building the machine montage. And the most emotional high point, the biggest signal to you that they are friends is that they share a takeaway. Of course. Which you never do with people you hate. It's, a, it's such a trope. And I've noticed it always seems to Ghostbusters, be... Ghostbusters, that's in Ghostbusters. But it's always Chinese takeaway. Do you know why that is? 
It's so that you can hold the food with chopsticks, which says you know how to use chopsticks so you're not an idiot. Mm. Uh, but you don't have to actually eat anything because watching people eat is gross. <laughs> so it's just Kate Mara holding a piece of sweet and sour chicken, <laughs> but you can't see a woman eat because bleh. So she's just holding it and laughing. But the same equivalent here is always curry, I think. In the UK, if you yeah, have a takeaway mates. scene, yeah. it's mates over a curry. Yeah. But yeah, it's always Chinese in America. Yeah, all it's always. Like a lot, either that or pizza, <laughs> but that's a different vibe. Chinese is a work thing. It's like, we're too busy to cook because we're working. That's but we, true. We, still want we can to... eat this food fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Yeah. You're and right. My first sign of trouble here is that awful, pointless seemingly interaction other than to, I, well, I guess it's not pointless, but the bit where just the conversation that Kate, uh, Mara, so Sue and Reed have where Reed, uh, <laughs> which way round is it? Yeah, okay. So Sue goes, I'm adopted. And Reed goes, I know what that's like. And she goes, you were adopted? He goes, no, mm. I just wish I was. So rude. Which is like, that is not common ground. That no. is not a way of going, no, but... And it's I, actually really disrespectful to her at lived experience oh of adoption. Oh, my God. I'd be like, what? Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's, and she goes, I was born in Kosovo. And he goes, don't have an accent. No, he's, like I said, it was adopted. He's like trampling, <laughs> trampling over like every opportunity she's giving you. Bearing in mind, she already said, I don't like you because I was listening to Porter's head. I know... <laughs> Like he's like, oh, I get, I get being adopted because I wish I was. So it's the same thing, bitch. I know, and that's the thing as well. Again, man writers, rather than her going, what the fuck did you just say? That's not the same. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Why? And then she sort of appeases him. We go, you don't have a fucking accent. Are you sure, Kosovo love? <laughs> and she goes, she goes, I don't. And actually does an accent for him like a dancing monkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't know anything about the trauma that might be there or not or whatever. I just think it's so not attractive if you say I know what that's been like and she's like oh my gosh yeah. a kindred spirit yeah. no I'm just joking yeah. well no I'm not even joking I actually believe that because I, I, I wish yeah, I was adopted which yeah. is the same yeah that is exactly the same <laughs> I spent my childhood wishing I was adopted so you you are so I wished I was you so so we are we're kind of the same do you want to get off with each other yeah. no oh okay you're no. gonna you've been holding that sweet and sour chicken for a <laughs> Are you going to put it in your mouth or not? Oh, no, it's, yeah. you're right. It is disgusting when you eat food, actually. Yes, I will, because <laughs> Kosovo. It's like, don't, don't do that. I know. Sue. It's Sue. just horrendous. You don't have to do that. You're better so, than that. Um, the machine, uh, it doesn't kill a chimp. So they're like, it's safe. And no one goes, yeah, for chimps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't start. By the time they get into the machine, they know very little about where they're going, what works, what doesn't. The chimp hasn't left the chamber. That's true, actually. And, that, like, and, that. and they get there and they're like, straight out those yeah, doors. let's go. So the boys, and it is the boys at this point, Sue gets really sidelined. The one of, is it Victor? He holds up a hip flask, which is literally the size of my makeup mirror mm. and goes, let's have a drink. And they are fucking wasted. Yep. What is in that hip flask? I saw that and I, I give I give the film credit because someone has given Reed the line. Miles Teledos goes, it looks like we're in due, due for another refill. So clearly they've been going off to a bigger bottle oh, somewhere. I see. But again, okay. these are scientists. It's not very efficient. Just get the bigger bottle yeah, please and just bring me the bottle. drink from that. Yeah. Stop refilling a minuscule hip <laughs> flask and passing that round. But also, the point of a hip flask is it's portable. So a normal size hip flask. I thought the only reason it could be is that you need to sneak it into the lab. And so he's got a mini one mm. that they probably don't make. Mm. But a normal hip flask is small enough to be uh, discreet. That's the point of them. It made me furious. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I quite like the Neil Armstrong chat, though. I thought it was good because 
it'll, it it kind of works, but it's a callback to the conversation that Sue and Reed have, where she's like, "You just want to be famous," and he's like, "I don't want that." And then it's like, "No, he does actually," because mm. all their hubris, all their pride, gets the better of them. But the only reason they're going to plant a flag, which is a stupid thing to do, is because they don't want to be that person in the bar that always says, "I built it, but I never got to go." That's yeah. wanting to be famous. The person whose dream it was to go to the moon, mm-hmm. we don't know, but we know Neil Armstrong's name because he was the first man to walk on the yeah. moon. So they want that. I mean, yeah. It's. I think it's quite. It's. It's a. It's a nice analogy. I kind of got their motivation for yeah. doing something stupid. I like it when a film makes me think something blast. new, and I never thought of that because I'm just, you know, you. It's such a good yeah. point that the person that built it forevermore was like, that was me, probably. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, I think moments like that are great, and it would be great to have a few more of them, as opposed to Johnny, who I believe calls Victor at one stage Adolf, which I'm pretty sure is a Hitler joke. Yeah, that's not good. And then refers to him as Borat in in, in the scene. It's like, whose rewrites are these? Are they rewrites? Was this in the original? Did you rewrite it? Yeah, Adolf, that's not good. Don't do that. So this is another, this is mad. And I don't care what version exists. If this was always in it, this isn't good. Reed rings Ben. Ben, buddy, I can't go without you. Ten minutes ago, when you thought you were first, you were definitely going without him. So what's changed? That you are sneakily doing it now. What you mean? When they first start building the machine, they are. Someone says, Franklin, probably you'll get to go. Well, we need a human subject, and they go. Miles Teller goes like, "What me?" And he's like, well, "Not if you don't get a move on, son. Build that machine." Right. So they were labouring under the illusion that they would be the first people to go. Correct. And he wasn't going to take Ben then, was he? No mention of it. Uh, so now he's ringing him saying, I couldn't possibly go without you. But right. you were, though. You were always going to go without him. Yeah. So bullshit. But maybe that's intentional because, the, you know. But also he's pissed now. And he's probably, you know, it's that thing where you, I love you, mate. Yeah. Come with me on this mission. I'd never do it without you, even though you really would. I was about to. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm drunk now and I'm a little bit scared. So you should come with me. And he turns up super quick. Don't know the distance between the Baxter Foundation and that's weird. Ben's house. But there we go. Um. So anyway. Although you got to imagine... It's quite close because, I mean, the school that Franklin is prowling when he picks up Reed and Ben isn't far away. It's probably within his sort of catchment area. <laughs> Unless he picks them up, he goes all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, but then, I mean, Sue probably does that work for him because she's like, I love patterns. <laughs> so I'll pick where we go. I just couldn't believe the scene. So they get in the pod thing and off they go. And I was like, it's the Fantastic Four and I know who they are. And now you've left the woman behind? That's absolutely mad to me. It's mad that everything she gets caught up in is not her fault on any level because she didn't choose to go in the pod and she didn't choose to be... She's helping out, but it's so much better. She's like, wait for me, obviously. She, is she, she's not even helping out until they get stuck there. Yeah, until they get, they so rescue. it's not like... She's they, not even part of the mission. Yeah, or part they don't of the ask fun. her and she goes, look, I don't want to go. That'll She's not even asked you. the question. Nope. It's only when they get stuck there and they contact her that she sort of goes, oh. It's not the end of the world to leave the woman out. It happens all the time, but it's the Fantastic Four yeah. and she's the, she's part of the four, not Victor. Mm-hmm. So it, she has to go to the planet. Yeah. It's basic. Anyway, she doesn't. The boys go to the planet and then Victor kind of feels it up, I thought. He sort of sticks his hand in a pond thing and gives it a little... So sort of touches it up, he does. And the planet doesn't like it because it didn't give its consent and it explodes. And then Victor sort of explodes inside his suit and that's all very good. I liked that bit. Do you? Yeah, I do. I think do you... it looks good. I think it looks scary. I think, yeah. 
All right, yeah, granted. I, I, I think I'm overcoming just how ridiculous what they're doing is, how stupid they are. They're like, look at that glowing green yeah, goo. Let's follow it. Let's abseil down a mountain on this strange world and go see what's over there. I mean, I get the enthusiasm because it's like, we're scientists. So it's like, oh, new science. It still reads a little bit like, uh, you know, you're not that drunk. <laughs> you're not drunk enough <laughs> to do this. You're not drunk enough, no. So they leave Victor. And then Ben gets hit with rocks and Johnny gets hit with fire and Sue back at home gets hit with some force. I do think Ben not being able to close the door is quite scary. There's that vibe where his door like yeah, keeps yeah. sort of flapping open. He's like, I can't close the door. And like it's too late because the pod's taking off and then all the rocks get in. Yeah. To me, that's the idea. Like I think you can equate that fear to with lots like, of real things. Being on a roller coaster <gasps> and like, yeah. you know, and the thing not being able oh to go God, down. Oh my God, don't do that. That's then, terrifying. And then the roller coaster starts. You're like, no, my thing's not. Ah! Yeah, you're so right. When I first saw it, I was like, that is so silly that you can't shut the door, but it brings it back to the real and relatable mm. and it is terrifying. God, yeah, everyone must get that, mustn't they? Like, is my carriage the one that's not going to lock yeah, exactly. this time? Ooh. Yeah, I remember being on one of those, like one of those real cheapo fairs where you're like, you like, the, the, like it's a guy who's like, who looks like, you know, <laughs> he's sort of made out of leather and he's smoking <laughs> and like he puts you, it was one of those rides where like a centrifuge where oh, yeah. it's just the velocity that keeps you, that keeps you pressed in. against yeah. the sides. But like I, I'd never been on one before, and when they put this dirty bit of string across in front of me, <laughs> and I'm like, that can't be everything that keeps me on this ride. And then he sort of lights a cigarette and presses go, and then fucks <laughs> off to talk to his mate who's running the jodgems. And I'm, I'm like, this is wrong. This is not right. And I, has everyone else just got a dirty bit of string? Anyway. It turns out it did work, but there was a moment where he fucked off and I was like, I'm going to die here. <laughs> this isn't even an urban legend because this actually happened to me. But when we went to a fair in Blackburn when we were kids and we were drinking, I don't know if I was drinking actually, but my friend, my best friend at the time, she got shit faced on um, cider and black, white lightning actually, and black currant. And we went on that spinny round thing and she threw up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it did happen because it happened to me. And it didn't, it's not like everyone got covered in it. Uh -huh. it we were a little like gang of three and it went all over this other girl and not on me. And I was, she was fucking livid, obviously. <laughs> but it was brilliant. And it was, she. I just remember us coming off it. <laughs> it was just like, I can't believe that's just happened. You minger. <laughs> it was vile. <laughs> Oh, dear. So anyway. It does make those fairs more fun, but there's always the risk of, like, someone vomiting or or death. Yeah, uh, or sexual assault frequently as well. They were pretty ropey places. Yeah. I don't think I'd let... We go to fairs with the kids, but we got kids only. I don't think I'd let them go to, like, one where there's just teenagers roaming around. They're no. not safe. I went on the uh, the House of Horrors, the sort of where you walk around, like a ghost house, but you walk yeah. around it. Mm -hmm. And I swear to God, the scariest thing was the idea of the really weird bloke who was 100%, at the front desk, yeah. like, following you in there. There. More yeah. than any skeleton that had been there 30 years and just went, <laughs> yeah. you were like, what if he comes in here? Yeah, he just whispers in your ear, <laughs> are you lost? I'm here too. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we don't find out what's happened to Reed, as in we can't guess until he's crawling towards Ben and he thinks he's freed his trapped foot, but he hasn't. You're stretchy now. <laughs> mm. So, so shit. So then we're into lab tests and then we're into the body horror thing, fully. So this is the thing that Josh Trank was, was a, you know, according to some reports, paid to do by Fox, and this is what freaked them out in the end, is that it is full body horror in terms of, in keeping with the rating. So the heroes are in pain, it seems to me, disoriented, not happy. 
Um, and I think it's I think it's a really good idea. I really like yeah. it. Hundred percent. That first shot of Reed, yeah, just brilliant. Like, all sweaty uh, and clammy, absolute in, in agony, like dealing with the fact that his limbs are massive and yep. like so vulnerable as well, sort yep. of lying there. And this is, I can see why they don't like it because this is your hero. This is Mister Fantastic in inverted yeah. commas. And wow, it's it's a really because bold also, shot. Um, there's an inherent ridiculousness in stretchy arms and stretchy legs. Mm. It just is, and it made it not ridiculous. It made it scary, which I think is good. Because if you can't nail the comedy, which the 2005 one doesn't, then I think they did nail the body horror element of this. I just think it doesn't, and lots of people think, it doesn't quite go far enough. So it, what a nightmare that would be for a human being to turn into a ball of flame and all the rest of it. But you don't experience the nightmare through the eyes of the people that it affects. Primarily in this scene, it's through the eyes of Franklin, which is what a nightmare it is to see your kids in that state, which is not the same thing as finding yourself in that state. Mm. It's all, he, he reacts to his son and you're supposed to think, oh my God, your child is on fire. Yeah. But you're not with Johnny to be like, shit, I'm on fire. Agreed. Agreed. And I think, you know, a false memory, I sort of remembered it differently. I thought we saw it from Johnny's like perspective where he's just screaming because he's on fire and his brain can't process. Yeah. Like, his brain is naturally like, this is the worst thing in the world, being on fire. Yeah. But he's okay by that point, isn't he? Or like... Is he screaming? He sat up and he's screaming, but you don't. It's it's the button too. His dad coming to see him right. and the regret and and all of that. I do think. I mean, agreed. The read opening shot of being there, all stretched out, the body horror, great. Eventually, you are going to still have to come to a point, which I think it does with Ben when they have a little mini fight of you know. He's still gonna have stretchy limbs. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna dulcim the fuck out of this, and like, and it's just, it's it, it, there's no way past that. It doesn't change the fact that Reed's powers are fundamentally quite a silly power. Yeah, to and have. it doesn't change the fact that Sue's power is not they well they have they haven't managed to do it, but there's nothing they can do about the source material. Where's the horror in? There must be a way of doing it apart from. Yeah, you know the the wider metaphor of a woman being ignored or mm. whatever. But the it's you know they're like oh she can't control it. That's the thing that seems to piss her off. Rather than she's she's moving in beyond the visible spectrum. Okay, cool. But it's not horror. It's just mm. she looks a bit sad about it. But that's kind of it. I don't know how you do it. No, I don't either. I guess if it was painful, painful, yeah. But then you've got that with Johnny, so it's the same. It's or the led same. you to be whist- weirdly disconnected because you never it, say when you went into that other state, you literally were somewhere else rather than just outside of our visible spectrum. Mm. So you never knew where you were. Yeah, and you never knew what was real, what was a dream. So it'd be like a mental horror instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe that would work. Anyway, uh, but then we so Reed goes to see Ben. That's quite moving and powerful because Ben really wants his friends to come and help him, but he just legs it. Um, he beggars off and then we do one year later and I can't believe it we've already had a seven years later you don't get another one um, and everyone has kind of made their peace maybe it's uneasy but we've missed all the fun of seeing them learn to harness their skills I think it's a crazy crazy decision yeah this is this is what I was saying at the top of the show where it's it's all set up we still, we still feel like we're in, in set up now yeah. we've you know, apart from a sort of little bit of a video which we watch on a screen of Ben fighting a tank, yeah, um, you're sort of like, where? What's? Where's the? I want to sort of be there on the ground with him. I want to see this sort of mission, yes. like be on the know, mission, and yeah. as opposed to it feels like we're just sort of like that's happening, yeah, but that is leading somewhere, yeah, and where it's leading is 
the worst part of the movie. And we need our baddie. We need Ben's being on missions to fight an enemy. It's no, it's no enemy that we know, but it's, it's going to be the reveal of a big baddie later. Mm. And also, they're the brightest and the best, and they somehow do believe that the government are just using them until they can fix them, which feels really silly. Yeah. Um, so we need to fix the machine, and so we need Reed, and he's hiding with a stretchy face, yeah. which I did like. That's quite good. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, but we, we can't just find Reed. We need... We need someone who maybe can look at where he's been popping up and, and find a yeah. pattern. Oh, have you got um have you got a computer? <laughs> have you got yeah, a poor head C D? Can you stick it on? I just they're just like, Sue, we need you. You did what you had to do. An algorithm could do it in three seconds. Mm. It doesn't take her waiting to spot his not being funny, quite obvious what Captain Nemo name. I just it's fine. She I don't know. No, it's not fine. They have to do it to put conflict between them. I betrayed you. It's crap. Just do it a different way. And also, let's take a look at the fact that this is a superhero movie, which thus far hasn't had any action in it. Like, no superhero action whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can say them running away from some green goo on a planet was sort of a that bit was a, I think, action-y. I think so, yeah. A set piece. Of sorts. Yeah. But we are still, apart from that little bit squinting, you'll miss it on the monitor of Ben fighting a tank which looks quite fun <laughs> yeah, this is entirely bereft of action yeah so yeah Sue uh, monitors Reed's behaviour for patterns uh, literally Netflix does that every day but never mind she's the best so Ben captures Reed they have a scene together on a plane I think or something so, so we can see Johnny flying god I've forgotten that bit oh yeah no we do see him flying don't we because he drops him off does he I, I don't know but anyway this scene Reed and Ben are not friends anymore and I was weird I found that weirdly moving same yes. as with you with the Michael Chiklis that's not funny scene yep. he just seems very sad and it's CGI sadness uh, but I thought it worked like we're not friends I thought yep. it was good sorry we see Johnny punch a drone at one point he's fighting drones oh yeah okay fine yep. so this is what I meant before when I said this. so at this point around this point Reed and Johnny also have a reunion which is completely drained of any emotion they basically go you right? yeah you're right that's it. And I can see maybe why, if it was Josh Trank that did it or insisted, it did make sense to me. I think if you would, I think he might have gone too far and like drained all of the emotion out of it. But if you've got a man, Reed, who's possibly not like super in touch with his emotions and you've got Johnny who's pretending that everything's fine because he's actually pretending to be or is a little bit excited about being a prop of the government and punching drones or whatever he does. Two men pretending everything's fine probably would just go, nice to see you. Yeah, cool. And that's it. It's done. Yeah. So I, I totally get, if that was the intention, why that would work, because it's quite chilling and it, it's, I don't know, there's something about it, but it's just there's so much of that. Yeah, I hope you're right. I think that would be awesome if you are right. Yeah. I, I just, I fail, <laughs> fail to believe that everything around this is so slapdash and <laughs> ill thought through yeah. that they managed to get that one beat and it's like, wow, yeah. you thought that far you yeah. thought that deep into where these two characters are yeah. that you've got that bang on. Yeah. Um, so we're off to find Victor. He has fashioned a cloak on his planet, despite Don't. there being no oh, fabric okay. available. And his suit has melted to him. So it's not like his suit has turned into cotton. Let's be honest. Like 2005 Doom looks much, much better than this Doom. I Doom looks terrible it. here. I know a lot of people say that on the internet. I liked it until it got 
I got fatigued with it. At first, I liked it. I did. So basically... So I when think he... the description of it is better than what we're seeing. The idea that his suit has melted to yeah. his body mm-hmm. is a horrific decision, like, to word it in that way. And that's yeah. like, oh! Yeah. But when you see it, it sort of looks, like, unfinished. Smooth, it, yeah. It's, I don't... It's sort of... It needs to be a little more, you know, flesh and, like, fabric entwined. Yeah, you're right. Um, it looks very plasticky. Little nod to, um, you know, highly paid writers. When they bring Victor back to Earth, someone, some wag goes, his biochemistry is off the charts. What does that mean, <laughs> Doctor? <laughs> I just think, give us, it could mean, is he dead? Is he super super alive? Which is it? Off I the charts? It, I took it to mean, like... Extra human? He's, like, superhuman. Okay. It's like everything's off the charts, like, bigger. Yeah, <laughs> he's got more of everything. He's got more than was. Yeah, <laughs> he's got more than me. <laughs> yeah. So this is the bit I like, and I know that people don't like uh, Doom particularly, but it, it annoyed me at first. It's like, he can do anything. So Victor can just kill anyone in any way. I didn't understand how he was killing people. Like, people's heads are exploding and he's throwing bolts at people and all the rest of it. Do you need it explained? Because it is a truly wonderful scene. Because yeah, it's you, brilliant. You, I mean, this was still, what, this was still a, what was it here? This must have been a PG or a... I don't know. I, I don't either. It will have been a PG-13 in America. It won't have been any more than that. But this is It's really nasty. scary. Yeah, it's really scary. This is like, you know, just walking along, just popping brains out. And it made me believe that this is a person, this this thing cannot be stopped, which is mm. what you need. Um, and he says words to the effect of, if this world has to die to save mine, it's like, oh, awesome, big tick, because it's a bad guy now. Like, you're going to kill the world. Okay, cool. Yeah. Rather than just go after four people. Yeah, yeah, Brilliant. And he kills Franklin, uh, which is good. Is he, is he Victor or is he the planet's? Uh, or are they one being? Because he says something like, if this world has to die so mine can survive, so be it. And you're like, well, that's not your world, is it? Unless Victor's gone mad and has started to think that's his world because he's been trapped there for a while. Or is he the living planet now embodied as Victor? Yeah, I, and he, he goes, there is no Victor, only doom in a, <laughs> a little while. So yeah. I'm a little bit lost as to what's happened Yes. Well, I suppose they've synthesised so completely because he hasn't had any food for a year. We know this. There's no food there. So he must be sustained by the planet. So maybe they're just one and the same thing. Mm. So this is where it gets really out. I I lost the thread. He wants, Victor wants to make a black hole or something. Otherwise, why has he gone to Earth to go back again? Victor has to do X so that X happens so we have special FX at the end of the movie. That's all it is. It's like, what what nonsense. I mean, there's lines here which are just like, he wants to do this so this will happen. It's like, what? We just we just need a big CGI finale because nothing has happened really yeah. for about an hour and a half. So you know that this is a reshot because a reshoot because of the wig, the fantastic four. They're not that yet. Go back up there, back to the other dimension, and then Ben gets covered in rocks. Reed is like forced to the floor. Johnny gets all burnt. Sue gets crushed by a bubble. And it's like, oh, he's bested you. And then Reed just gets up. So I was like, what happened? I had it written here. What what is what is what what's happened to Reed here? Has he now got willpower or belief or yeah. something that he didn't have before? Unclear. Unclear. His strength that he finds, his inner strength, somehow gives the others tons of inner strength. Mm-hmm. They have time to make a plan. This beam thing shreds Victor. That's the end of him. Terrible tact on scene at the end. Appalling non-banter where they choose their name. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, we touched on it in Star Trek Into Darkness last week. Another ending 
where thousands die, and if not thousands, hundreds of people are sucked to an alien world yeah. and left there once the black hole shuts, but the Fantastic Four get back. So <laughs> that's fine. It's like just really dark yeah. like when you count the bodies. Yeah, when it's, I like the effects when the trees get sucked into the whole thing and then you're like, oh, there's cars there and they just like ping off mm. the motorway. I mean, there's people in those cars. It's serious. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, so I didn't go this far in my research. I assume they thought they would get a sequel because otherwise what's the point of buttoning it all like that? Oh, undoubtedly. Isn't I, that mad? I, I mean, look, any studio is still going to roll the dice. They can watch this and go... Eesh, that's it. <laughs> but you never know. People are stupid though, right? Yeah, we think they are. We think people won't still go and see this piece of shit, you know. And, the, and again. Yeah. We, 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 this, and, and therefore, yeah. And so everyone everyone rolls the dice in favour of a sequel, in the, despite what they've just witnessed. Well, on that note, so you know more about this than I do, but what's the, um, there's a, is it a post-credit sting with... Oh shit, I didn't even stop for that. What's that now? The, um, what's the big film that's that? Doctor Strange! Yeah, this is a spoiler. There's a mad spoiler. Are you going to do it? No. What? Well, yes. I will no. Bleep, we'll bleep his name already. If you don't want to know the spoiler from Doctor <laughs> Strange, uh, uh, the Multiverse of Madness, yeah. um, then probably stop listening now and we'll and then come back. I'll ruin it another time. Fast forward it in the next thirty seconds. You've got thirty <laughs> seconds to do this bit. <laughs> so thirty seconds. At the end of Doctor Strange, John Krasinski pops up as um, Mr. Fantastic. You haven't seen Doctor Strange, have you? No, I've seen he, I've seen the bit where John Krasinski. It's not pops the end; up. it's in the middle. Of, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets killed by the Scarlet Witch. But everyone's oh, like, oh yeah, of course. Mm, yeah. So there's a lot of froth about would Marvel do that to you? Um, bring him in just to sort of uh, a sort of joke about. But he's not. He's not. The Mr. Fantastic from our No, world so the multiverse a, thing yeah. is the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever is fine. Uh, Chris wouldn't let me put a, a, a nod to that in the clue last week, so I think he's pretty hot on us not telling oh, him. I wish you'd said, what's in that? I'm going to get bollocks. Oh, it's fine, we'll just bleep him. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, actually, it's not my strongest section, to be honest. A bit of a film I haven't seen. <laughs> All right, fine, we're done, we're done, we're done. Uh, let's do the bits. What's your best scene? Uh, Doom exploding people's heads as he strolls round the corridors, which I believe is Josh Trank's, uh, a scene that he actually likes, which makes me think Josh Trank shot that. Yeah. Because I don't think he'd be pulling out something he had nothing to do with. No, agreed. Um, so I think that's actually Trank's work, which again, adds weight to this idea that, you know, there are, you know, he can shoot great stuff. Yeah. I just think if he'd been given a better script, which maybe is his fault that you didn't have a great script to work from though so it still does come back to him mine is exactly the same so good isn't it it's really, honestly really good just an indestructible force it's like something out of a Cronenberg movie yeah and it can do anything mm. and you don't see the flaws you don't see the um, vulnerabilities really really scary and you don't even need to know how he's doing it at that point you see like I moaned about it on Monday with like you know I don't know what Doom's powers are in that this I'm like it doesn't matter he yeah. explodes heads yeah. that is a power <laughs> Yeah, I agree. What's your most valuable whatever? <sighs> I don't I really don't know. I don't know. There are bits in this movie that I love. Like, I love the Amblin-infused start. I love the Doctor Doom walking around the streets bit. Um, I just don't know who made those bits. I don't know if that's Trank's vision and actually had he been left alone, he might have delivered something that was like, 30 of those moments and yeah. an actual film built on those moments or whether we were always going to get like this, even if he had been given like left alone to make that movie. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, part of me does want to pick Trank because like those moments that are definitely his 
are the best parts of this movie, but I don't know how many of the shit parts are also in. Yeah. So I'm playing it safe and playing go and play my Toby Kebble card. Oh nice. I love Toby Kebble. I've when I first realized he was doing this, I had that same thing that I did with Jamie Bell. I was like, no, incorrect. And I was I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. I mean, he isn't him. You know, he disappears pretty quickly because yeah. the next time you see him, his face is all melted and whatever. But it just really grew on me. Again, like Jamie Bell. So I'm, I take I'm, it back. I'm just, from the minute I saw him in Rock and Roller until now, I'm watching Servant on yeah. um, Apple TV, which I think he's just, he's great. And I'm a bit, I really rate Toby, Toby Kebble. Yeah, he's good. He's so good. He's, he's my MVW in a, with an absence of, other MVWs. Sure. Mine's uh, Reg Cathy <laughs> because I do think there's an argument to me that it's more his film than it is the Fantastic Fours. Like one man's quest to perfect a technology that has obsessed him for his whole life mm. and he does it and in the process his children nearly die and then he rescues them only to be killed by the thing he created. Arcs, 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 arcs. Wow. But also he's allowed to do emotion so if, if it's true that Josh Trank was telling people when to blink... He's obviously gone, all right, son, son, because he calls mm. everyone son. I've been doing this a long time. I'll show you kind of some emotion. Yeah, I think that's how he ended up getting into a fight just trying with Miles Teller mm. on the movie because Miles was like, um, you know, I'll blink when I, I want to think blink. I know what I'm doing with the whole <laughs> acting thing to um, alpha personalities butting heads. Yeah. I mean, to, if it's true, to be told when to breathe is bordering on abuse. But if it's not true, if I, it's inflated... I think, you know, I think there are certain directors who who would, you know, given like given that uh, direction from Scorsese in a scene or, you know, someone who has fundamentally earned their wings yeah. and you're an actor and they're like, look, I'm don't telling breathe. you, if you don't breathe and don't blink in this scene, it's going to double mm-hmm. the effect of what I'm trying to get from you. You would go... Sold. Well, yeah. Done. Yeah. But it's because he's got one movie that, it, like, Chronicle, everyone's like, oh, Chronicle. It's like, it isn't that good. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. It made a lot of money on a small budget, but yeah. it's not amazing. Yeah. Like, you, you you know, it's just he hasn't earned the right to do that. We can't imagine that the politics of having a normal office job can sometimes be overwhelming. The little silly things that you have to deal with. You go from making a low-budget movie where you're the boss and you're in charge, and what it does, everyone everyone loves it. But like you say, it's not, you know, if it's not that good, what it's got going for it is it made a ton of money. So then the studio goes, well, you're our guy, brilliant. There you go. There's a ton of money. Don't fuck it up. And PS will check on absolutely everything you do and every single shot. And you cannot imagine the pressure and also the poli- things you, you have to be a really good negotiator, a really good people person, a really good, really skillful with your language and be able to direct a massive superhero movie. Yeah. It's not just about what you bring to the craft that day. It's about have you kept that person happy? What about your agent? What about everything else? What about Miles doing you, Miles Teller like grandstanding? Like you've got to deal with all these things mm. and you may not have those skills at that point in your career. Exactly. I think, I mean, I, and I think that's it. I think we all just sort of assume, God, just direct. What, how much fun would that being, be? Being yeah. a film director is just making a movie that you want to make. And it's like, yeah, no. you're a man, you manage yep. so many different things. And like, it better not be shit, otherwise, you'll never work again. Yeah. That pressure as well. Yeah. And like you say, you know, to be thrown in, like, it's a cliche, but to be thrown in at the deep end, especially without realizing it, being told, you're the best, you're our yep. guy. And sort of like, you know, not quite realizing the skill set you need on a movie like this with a studio looking over your shoulder, often quite literally when yeah. you're on set. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an insane thing to have to deal with having, you know, only one movie under your belt. Yeah. Uh, what would you change? 
Oh, man. I mean, really, like, I just stick to a tried and tested movie structure, you know, of an act A, B and C, like, you know, a three-act structure. It's worked for a lot of films. It does tend to work, I wouldn't just go from A to C. (laughs) I think that's mad. I think it's a mad decision. (laughs) It's a really good change. Mine is, so I, I was cross about Sue not being in the pod and helping out from the sidelines. I think it's crackers. I think if she wasn't in the Fantastic Four, it's fine, but she is, so no. But also, she doesn't have much in terms of character. Her character, again, man right, her character is she listens to Portishead. Yeah. And that's it. So she has been dragged into this mess, this superpower mess, by the antics of the boys, one of which she's supposed to be sort of attracted to, one of which is her literal brother. So she should be much more pissed off about the way things have turned out. She's such a peacekeeper. She's so placating. She's so like, guys, if we just do what they say, they're going to let us get our lives back. Where is the scene where she's like, this is not even my thing? No. So anyway, that's what should happen. This isn't my shit. This isn't my shit. This is your shit. And now it's my shit. You've made your shit my shit. And let's be clear, it is shit. All I can do is some bubble stuff. And I have to wear these fucking gloves all the time, which are ugly. Yeah, again, the powers... I, I think at some point we should revisit the these films and the way we've talked about them when Marvel finally sort it out. Well, make their Fantastic Four and whatever that is. Yeah. I'm I'm really really interested to see how these characters and this property is done as a film. Yeah, true. It'll be it'll be really interesting, you know, because I don't think it's easy. No. All right then, that is Fantastic Four 2015. We did 2005 on Monday. Let's do the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! So my choices this week. Uh, I know what Chris has gone for. Uh, I've already got that. as okay. uh, a WhatsApp message from Latveria. So I'll start with you, Victoria. <laughs> sure. What are you going for? Um, I'm just going to do it. I'm not. There's not much in terms of suspense. So I'm just going to say, hands down, it's 2015's version. Because, are you ready? Yeah. So the body horror shoots and misses... But so does playful, cheery camp of 2005. Doesn't quite work. Um, and I think, although it, in actual, I think people think it's actually quite easy to do a cheery romp, but it's not. It's a, a nightmare. Comedy is hard to do. Um, and people might think quasi-horror is quite easy to do because it's effects and, um, and, you know, even gore and stuff like that. But the horror angle is just more interesting to me personally. So when it tries and when it fails... I get glimpses of what it could have been and I really liked it. Whereas when cheesy comedy fails, it's not the fault of the script, it's just the fault of the genre. If a comedy doesn't make you laugh, you're not taking anything else away. Whereas if a body horror makes you go, oh my God, you're like, oh, I wish I'd had more of that. So based on that strange axis, it's 2015. Oh. Okay. One vote for 2015. Chris, all the way from Latveria. (laughs) I wish we could bring him in live right now. It sounded like I was going to do that. Chris is here <laughs> live from Latveria. Chris. Chris says, I'm voting for the first one, 2005. It ain't great, but it's nearly fun. More recent one goes the serious route, which is fine. But then you've got to make me care about the characters, which it really doesn't. Felt like a slog in the way that Batman feels like a slog. Taking down Whoa. the Batman. <laughs> Taking down... He's, he, just, just a... Just to put that in context, Chris Tilly has just referenced Josh Trank's 2015 Fantastic Four in the same breath as the Batman wow. as feeling like a slog. I'll tell you what, Chris, I 
was tell- this- he has bigger swings when he's not in the studio. Yeah, but I tell you what, this is something his brother said to me the other week. He would have made a fantastic agent and he would make a great PR man. He's not here and yet we're all going to be talking about him because <laughs> of what he just said. <laughs> Isn't that true? Don't you think he'd make a good... Chris, if you're, Chris, if you're listening, he'd make an amazing agent. That man, He hustles like no one I've ever yeah. met. And if you are on his team, you're on his team. Like He will talk you up no end. All for 10%. <laughs> I'm just saying I can I can help make it happen Chris so if you're interested just um, just WhatsApp me yeah? okay Annie's voted for 2005 you voted for 2015 so it's down to me nice my choices I wish I cared <laughs> no I do I do I really did actually think long and hard about this so I hate 2005's Fantastic Four <laughs> because it's so utterly banal it's a paint by numbers movie that has no heart and some pretty bad performances uh, it feels like it was assembled by a computer told to make a superhero movie for tweens is what I felt. Yeah. Um. I, I, it's wallpaper cinema to me. That said, 2015 is almost not a movie. It, it really doesn't work as a film. Like it. Like you genuinely feel like after, like when the climax arrives, you're like, what? This is what's ha- what, what have I been watching for this long? When is anything going to happen? That, that anyway. Structurally, it's all over the place. Yet yeah, there are moments in it. Uh, the body horror the Amblin Goonie style opening that just give you this glimpse of a better movie that might have been. And ultimately, if I stopped right now and tried to think of a single sequence from 2005's Fantastic Four, I'd be hard pressed to pick one. There are two in 2015's that I think are incredible sequences. So I can't believe this, but I'm going for 2015's Fantastic Four, which makes 2015's Fantastic Four with its 9% on Rotten Tomatoes versus 29%, or maybe it's even in the 30s, for 2005. 2015's the winner! It's just not as bad as you think. It really isn't. It really isn't. And I think a lot of the reviews at the time and its current Rotten Tomatoes rating sort of became part of the bandwagon of like, let's fuck this movie because the director's fucked it, so who is there left to defend? Exactly. You know, we don't care about the studio and if the people making it hate it, then it's it's a a free-for-all. Yeah, definitely. It's fucking sharks and blood in the water. Yep. It's just not that bad. It's not great. It's not that bad. 2005 is as bad as you think. Yeah. I just... 2005... I think the I think the weird thing is is someone is trying to do something special with 2015, yeah. and it is a failure. Yeah, but they're trying to do something with it. Yeah. Whereas 2005 is so content mm. with its own mediocrity mm-hmm. that it's offensive. Mm-hmm. It's offensive that it's so self satisfied because it thinks it's done its job, <laughs> and I don't like that about it. Okay, great. All right then. That was good. Okay, we are done. Oh, I wonder if we'll get some stick for that. Cool. No. <laughs> Look at you. Maybe. Cool. Find me on the abandoned DLR platform, <laughs> bitches. Say it to my face when I'm reading a book. I'll be right there. <laughs> you fucking push that book down out of my eyes. I will, I will let you know exactly what I think. Yeah, 2015 is Fantastic Four is the winner. So let's look ahead to uh, next week. And these were Chris's choices. The clue he gave on Monday's episode via me as his vessel was <laughs> boys. a boy's best friend. Is, is not a dog. It's not a dog. Not in this instance. <laughs> no. It's either yep. a talking poo <laughs> or a big metal man. Yeah, it is. Because we are doing E.T. versus the Iron Giants. Those are next week's movies. How's that for a palate cleanser after Fantastic Four? <laughs> um, and I think it's our first animated film. 
Is it? Yes. It is. Yeah. Oh, no, you, you know. Being, so, I'm sorry, that is, is that a professional being gracious. Yeah, that's what you do. Being gracious. Being gracious to who? To me? Yeah, sort of Why? like, because I didn't think if you knew or not, so I was sort of like doing the whole like, I think. And oh. So, but I, like, I thought you knew, so I thought you could then confirm uh, to me. I could yeah. sort of go, I think it's... I uh, don't know what we did two weeks ago. It's just in and out. It really is. Uh, we drank in the park. <laughs> Uh, so that is uh, your lot this week. So yeah, your homework is oh shit! I didn't. Oh, it's Chris's job, but I didn't look it up. I think ET's on Netflix. Do, isn't you, it? do you know what? Just Google. <laughs> Just Google or Bing or a search engine of yeah, your choice. Use Bing. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Google where to find them. They're definitely both available. ET versus the Iron Giant. And next week's shows. Uh, in the meantime, do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Check in with us on Twitter and Instagram. Have a lovely weekend. Back on Monday. Bye-bye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 